guys, buckle up for a brand new episode of Below the Iceberg, the one and only podcast where we talk to real life two comma club winners. Whether you're a small business owner, an entrepreneur, a wannabe entrepreneur, or you've been in business for a while, you're sure to pick up tidbits of actionable advice from these million dollar entrepreneurs. Now, if you don't know what a two comma club winner is, it is where they have built one funnel inside the ClickFunnels software and sold $1 million through just that one funnel, which is absolutely fantastic. In today's episode, I'm really excited to be talking with Ali Björk, who unexpectedly catapulted herself into the Two Comma Club. Now she has achieved two awards, and it all started with a $27 digital product. So let's dive in and find out how she achieved it. Okay, so welcome, Ali, to Thank Below you. the Iceberg. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to have you here. I want to say a massive congratulations for getting that two comma club behind you. Thank you so much. <laughs> awesome. Um, so with my guests, I like to do a little bit of digging on their social media profiles to see what they've uh, got going on. Nice. It's a good indication to our listeners to show what's achievable with different levels of followers, you know? Yeah. So I had a little look. Um, I see you've got about 12,000 followers on your Facebook page. Yep. Over on Instagram, 24.8K followers. Yep. I couldn't find a Facebook group. Do you have a Facebook group? I do. It has, let me think. I think it's about 3,500 people in that group. All right, cool. Um, what about YouTube? Mm, I think that's at about 1,300. Okay, and I couldn't find you on TikTok. Have you got on TikTok yet? Like 100, yeah. <laughs> awesome. I am there, but not not very aggressively yet. So it's on my to-do list, but I haven't focused on it. <laughs> okay, so do you want to tell our listeners exactly what it is that you do? Uh, so my specialty is helping people create tiny offer funnels, which are tiny offers, small offers around $27 that you can use in three different ways. You can either scale your business with just tiny offers and only sell passive income products. You can use it to create a funnel off of your tiny offer and sell higher ticket courses, or you can use it to bring in leads for like a high ticket coaching program. Okay. Awesome. So is your business, is it just your brand, your name? Yes. It is so far. I mean, there, there are things in the works to have software and, and a book and all sorts of other stuff. But as of right now, it's just my name. All right. Okay, cool. So when was it when you actually got the two comma club? Uh, it was 2000. There's, there's another one up there. I don't know if you've seen oh, it. Yeah. The first it's one was 2019 and the second one was 2020. Okay, perfect. So was it a goal to hit the two comma club? Um, no, actually, I was kind of snarky about it. Like I used to I didn't even think I wanted it. I thought it was like a, I don't know. I think, it, I think it, all in all, it was like my limiting beliefs. I was like, whatever, I don't even want that thing. Like that's just a bro marketing thing. I'm not interested in it. And then, and then it happened where I was using ClickFunnels and I was looking at Stripe and looking at PayPal and I was like, wait a minute, I think I crossed the million dollar mark. And then I got to, it happened at Funnel Hacking Live. Like I actually crossed the million dollar mark while I was there. All right. So I talked to people and I was like, I just crossed a million dollars. Can I like cross the stage? And so it happened really, really fast. And they let me walk to collect my two comma club award at Funnel Hacking Live in 20, 2019. 
And I like, I cried for like two days straight afterwards because I, I don't even think I realized how much it did mean to me to be like a work at home mom and have three kids and build a business from nothing and cross a million dollars. So it really, it was a lot more significant to me than I thought it was, but I think it like my snarkiness about it was probably more resistance than anything, or like pretending I didn't actually want it or talking myself out of wanting it. But it meant a lot when I, when I did get it. So you see, you're lucky because we had another guest on and he wasn't allowed to walk the stage because he hadn't had the official. Oh, like the, maybe they changed the rules after I, maybe I broke the rules and they had a <laughs> policy about it or something. But unfortunately I had, I had a coach who was working for ClickFunnels at the time. So I think she was able to pull a couple strings for me. All right. Okay. So did you have another celebration or was it? Yeah. Yeah. With the second one. What did you, what did you, what did you, what did you do when you, um, I think I went out to dinner with my family to celebrate it, but it was, you know, it's, it's kind of like the second one was a lot more expected than the first one. Like I knew it was coming and we'd been like, I was a lot more in touch with what my numbers were at that point. Cause we'd been scaling and systemizing everything. So it was, it was kind of like, okay, cool. We did it. And I'm such an achiever, which is probably not a good thing to always have bigger goals, but I was like, okay, we did it. Now what's next instead of <laughs> really celebrating. So that's a really good question. I don't even really remember what we did to celebrate it, but it was exciting. <laughs> what about when you were, did you do like an unboxing video? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Definitely did that. Didn't know it was coming. It came a lot sooner than I expected. The one in 2019 took a while. It was like right at the beginning of COVID when it was going to be shipped out. The second one I got right away and my kids helped me unbox it. And it was, it was a fun, fun thing. Awesome. So let's do a little bit of a rewind. I want to take you back to your childhood. So what did your childhood look like? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Northern Minnesota on a lake in the woods. Uh, I spent a lot of time playing in the woods. Like I remember playing by myself a lot in the woods and like I had a great imagination, played all sorts of different things um, out in nature. Pretty much anytime I was awake, I was outside playing. And what did you want to be when you grew up? It varied. Um, for a while, it was an actress. At some point, it was like a singer in a rock band, um, a veterinarian, something. Uh, what else? I think that's about it. I, eventually, it shifted into being, once I realized I was artistic, I wanted to be an artist, a graphic designer. So right, it changed okay. a lot over All the right. years. So did you, go to, uh, did you go to college? I did. And what did you do? Uh, I majored in graphic design and I minored in marketing. All right. Okay. So when you left college, what was, what did you do next? Uh, I got a job in sales because I graduated in 2008 and there, everything was crashing and there were like no graphic design jobs around. So I took the only job I could find, which was selling cell phones um, for AT&T. And I learned a lot about sales and about working uh, in general. And then after doing that for about a year, I finally got a graphic design job working at a print shop and making like $15 an hour in this print shop. All right. Okay. So when you were doing the sales, was that telephone sales or face? Yeah. -face? Well, it was face to face. I was selling telephones, but I was selling telephones face to face. All right. Okay. Like in a phone shop. Yeah. Like a little kiosk in a <laughs> strip mall, you know, like the most random thing ever, but 
it was it was really interesting. I learned a lot about sales in in general working there. Did they give you sales training? Yep. And then you made so then you got the graphic design job. Yep. And how long did you stay there? Um, probably about two years, and oh, then I got a job still in, um, well, working for a marketing agency and a web design agency doing SEO. And I didn't know what SEO was at the time, but they had a job opening for it in a city I wanted to live in. And I went to the interview the night before the interview, I was Googling what is search engine optimization. And I like, I bought a course or something online. This is my first exposure to like what we do as experts. And I bought a course and I learned probably more from this course that I bought online than my four-year education at a university. And I went to the interview and I knew what I was talking about for SEO, even though I'd never done it before. Um, and I got the job. So then that was my first, uh, it not, then I was working for a company that built websites. So I was learning about, you know, internet marketing and, and I kept coming across lots of courses and stuff after I entered that world. All right. Okay. So did you do any graphic design for them or? No, nope. Just SEO. Just, I learned about copywriting and I learned about keywords and search engines and a lot of, a lot of stuff about social media, blogging, like that really set the foundation for combining what I learned about graphic design with what I learned about the online world. All right. Okay. So how long did you stay there for? Um, let's see. I think that was three, probably three years. And then my son was born two years. And then my son was born. Okay. So what happened, what happened next then? Um, after my son was born, my priorities shifted really quickly. And I started calculating my time, um, for how much I was paying for daycare and how much I hated being away from my kid and realized that again, I, now I was making $17 an hour, okay. but I realized that the company that I was working for was charging like 130 bucks an hour for the work that I was doing. And then I was, you know, getting this much of a cut of it. I was like, wait a minute. Okay. So if I could get my own clients and do SEO on the side and even charge them like $35 an hour, they'd get a deal and I'd make more money and I could stay home. So I like ran all the numbers and I figured it out. And I, I got a different job that let me work at home um, for another website design agency doing social media and search engine optimization for a different agency. But I was able to start getting my own clients at the same time that I was working at home for this, this other agency. So I started stacking the clients. So when was that then? What year was that? Um, that was 2012. Cause that's quite a long time. Yeah. That's, (laughs) that's quite early on though for, um, home working for a company to let you homework, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Back in, yeah. 2000 and what did I say? 2012. That was pre, you know, well before COVID. So people weren't really doing that a whole lot yet. How did you, did you convince them to let you do that? Or was, (laughs) um, well, the first company I had asked that I was working for, I was like, you know, I'd really like to keep my son home a couple days a week. Is there any way you could let me even hybrid work from home? knowing that I wanted to start freelancing at the same time. And they're like, nope, sorry, that's not an option. We're not going to, not going to entertain that. That's too much of a you know can of worms to open for other employees. So I was like, all right, I'm out. Then I have to quit. And I had known um, the CEO of this other company and it was in a different city. And she knew um, like we had like a, a long relation or friendship before that. And she knew that I was a good employee, that I was good at what I did. And I just wanted to work at home. And so she was willing to let me do that. 
because they were in a different city. So I was working remotely from a couple hours away. Right. Okay. So, and while you were doing that, you started getting your own clients. Mm-hmm. How did you do that? How did you start? How did you start that off? Um, I had a business name. It was my maiden name, which is Fulton. So it was Fulton Marketing and Design was the name of my company. Um, and I just started networking locally and I was waking up at, and going to BNI meetings, if anyone's right. ever heard of BNI. Yeah, <laughs> like, we, we have them in the UK as well. Oh yeah. Yep. So I'd go there at like six in the morning and I'd, I'd do my networking spiel and chat with people. And I started getting a few social media clients here and there. And I, I remember I was traveling with my boss and we were in Boston for the HubSpot conference. And she came back into the room with her phone and she's like, have you ever heard of Fulton marketing and design? And I was like, oh crap. <laughs> <laughs> so she, it was so weird because we were like trapped in a hotel room together and she had found out that I had been freelancing and like she was upset about it and we were very far away from home and so it, it was super awkward and after that like she didn't say a lot to me for the rest of the trip it was got very awkward very quickly and once we got home she was like hey do you want to just be done working for us or do you want to switch to hourly I'm sure she had concerns about me working on my own stuff instead of working on their stuff, which, you know, that's probably accurate. So she ended up saying that, um, she, she was very religious. So she said like, I believe this is God's path for you. And and this is, you know, if this is what you're called to do, this is what you're called to do. And we want to support you in that. So we're going to help you keep some hours here, wean you off of our clients and help you like take on your own clients on your own. So it was, so gracious of her and, you know, could have been a lot worse if had it been my previous job, like they probably would have tried to sue me (laughs) instead of like, uh, (laughs) supporting me and helping me get clients on my own and go off and and do my own thing. So it was like the, the best outcome that could have happened. So how long did you carry on with Fulton marketing? Uh, I think that went until 20, let's say 2015 or 2016. And I started joining Facebook groups and seeing all of these people that were like personal brands. And I'm like, why aren't they using a business name? How are they just doing business as themselves? Like, I don't understand what's, what's happening here, why they don't have, you know, like an agency name to be taken seriously. So I started testing it out in Facebook groups and, um, you know, saying, marketing myself as myself in these Facebook groups that were popping up full of other entrepreneurs. And this was like way at the beginning of Facebook groups and, yeah. and marketing and, and I started doing Facebook ads as my specialty at the time. And I started getting clients just as myself. And I'm like, oh, interesting. So eventually I did away with the Fulton Marketing and Design name and just started going forward with Allie Bjork. All right. Okay. So how did you know what you were doing with Facebook ads? It was a whole spiral of events, <laughs> like figuring it out because it was like, it, I don't know if you've ever read that children's book where it's like, if you give a mouse a cookie, then he's going to want a glass of milk. If he gets a glass of milk, he's going to want to, I don't know, wash his face. And it's like this whole cascade of events All right. for me. It was like, I learned, I learned graphic design and then I learned, um, SEO. And then I learned web, some website design, just from working at a website agency, I started picking up website design and I realized people weren't getting visitors on their websites. So we, we had to use social media to get visitors to the website so that the SEO could, you know, complement it. So I learned social media marketing from there. I learned, um, how to run ads because social media marketing wasn't enough. We had to like learn how to boost the post and get more eyeballs on it by promoting them. 
And then from there, I was like, well, this isn't working because it's just a website. It's not a sales funnel. And I had discovered Russell Brunson and he was like, websites don't work. Websites are dead. You need sales funnels. And this was probably, I want to say like 2017 or 20, no, probably like 2016. And then I learned how to build funnels for people. So it was like, it just kept adding on, like my skill set kept expanding and, right. and it went from just doing graphic design to building Facebook ad campaigns and building funnels for people. But it was all of the, well, and writing copy and doing email marketing and all of the things that you learn, like it just, my skill set just kept growing. Okay. So how did you come across Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels? Probably an ad. <laughs> Actually, no, that's not true. I, I noticed in the Facebook groups that I was in, there were, it seemed like there were patterns of people that were super successful and they were like, the ones talking about actually making real money while the rest of us were like struggling to make a few thousand dollars a month. And then there were people, I think at the time it was like Emily Hirsch and Rachel Peterson. And I just kept noticing these names popping up and they seemed so much more successful than everybody else. So I was like, what's their secret? What's, what are they doing? That's different than everyone else. And I would dig into their links. And now what I know is called funnel hacking. I was like trying to figure <laughs> out what they were doing that was different. And I noticed every single one of these people that seemed like they were making more money than everyone else, they were using ClickFunnels. So I was like, okay, what is this ClickFunnels? If I use ClickFunnels, will I make more money? And then I just fell into the, the culture of what ClickFunnels is and um, you know, fell in love with the education and the people in the community. All right. So when did you build your first, what was your first funnel that you built? Oh, it was so bad. I don't remember. <laughs> it was probably, I think I tried to build like an application funnel or it was, you know, like a call booking funnel or something. And nobody ever booked a call from it because I didn't, I didn't market it well. And I didn't use great copy and there's no hook story offer. You know, it was just like a page. <laughs> so um, how did you go from that then to your tiny offers? When did the tiny offers thing come about? So I launched tiny offers in um, the very beginning of 2019. Uh, and I think it was the beginning. I'm trying to get my years figured out. It might've been 20, 2018. So I had different digital products that I tried to sell and they didn't work for one reason or another. I think this, my tiny offer funnel that I created for myself that ended up working, it, it took three different tries to get it to actually work. The first two were like total flops. So they didn't work. And then I'd like set them on the shelf. And I think I tried to design my own funnels in 2017 and then, and then they didn't work. So I'd like shelf them and go back to doing client stuff just because I couldn't get my own stuff to work. And then I had a experience with a client where she pushed through a chargeback on a project that was like long completed. Um, and I, I just remember like playing with my son and he was falling asleep and my phone lit up and like, I didn't get Stripe notifications in those days. So having my phone light up from Stripe, it was really weird. So I was looking at it and it's like, your, your account is going to be debited by $6,000 in the morning. And I'm like, well, I don't have $6,000 in that account. So I knew my account was going to go negative. I didn't have a business savings. Like I didn't have, I was not prepared for this client to push back a refund right. without permission and without, you know, even talking to me about it. It was the most horrible thing a client could ever do, but it lit a fire under me to be like, oh my gosh, how am I going to make the impossible happen? How am I going to make this money out of nothing? I didn't, didn't have anybody in the pipeline, no like outstanding payments I could collect. So I knew I had to make my tiny offer funnel and it wasn't called a tiny offer in my brain yet, but I had to make this little tiny product that I'd created. I had to make some money from it. So I finally took it seriously and started 
ads, like paid for ads. I'd only run ads for clients, not for myself really seriously before. So I found a credit card that had like a tiny amount of room on it that I'd been hiding because I was in a lot of debt from investing in coaching programs. And I know a lot of people can probably resonate with that. <laughs> and, and I started my ads and I just remember making my first sale and I was like, it was a $27 live stream calendar. And I was like, that's definitely an accident. Like there's no way that person meant to buy the product. <laughs> They're going to want a refund. Like they probably think it's horrible. And I, so I was just watching my email. Like that, they totally bought it by accident and they never, never asked for a refund. They didn't buy it by accident. And then it happened again. And then it happened again and again. And, and within like, I think the first two weeks it made $10,000 in sales, this tiny offer just kept, and I kept scaling the ads. Like I'd close my eyes and like double my ad spend. And then it would sell (laughs) double, you know, I think in those days I was getting like three or four return on ad spend for what I was spending. And I knew I had to make at least $6,000. So I just kept doubling my ad spend until the profit was more than enough to cover that initial 6k that I was trying to make for myself. So it was like, total back against the wall moment of, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. What am I going to do to finally get me to do the thing I'd been wanting to do for a really long time, which is launch my own products. And then it just kept snowballing (laughs) from there. So what, what was, what was the, what was the offer that first one? Um, it was called Livestream 365. So it was a calendar, a social media calendar of 365 ideas for live streams. Oh, right. Okay. People were live streaming in those days. This was like pre reels and TikTok, And, you know, like the the main video format was like longer form, uh, live streams. Who were you targeting that to? Um, started with business coaches. And then, then I just kept getting comments on the ads. Like, would this work for life coaches? Would this work for service providers? Would this work for product sellers? And I'd be like, yes, it would. And then I would design a whole new calendar of 365 (laughs) ideas for that audience and I'd put it on the, put it in the product. So it's a total case of like minimal viable product of like just getting it into the world as fast as I could. And then improving it along the lines. Like when people ask me questions, just continuing to add on to the product. Cause I think that a lot of people get stuck in that perfectionist mindset, creating digital products. Like it has to be the best version ever. And yeah, it doesn't. So when you started off with that first one, was it literally just, they bought the 27 and that was it? Um, I had an order bump on there for 37 and that was, I think it was repurposing. It was like how to repurpose your live stream into other types of social media. So it was a training on how to, you know, crop the video or transcribe it and put it on Instagram or repurpose it all over. And then the upsell was how to create a sales funnel from your live streams. So how to use, like create call to actions and then build a funnel on the back end. All right. Okay. And how did, how did the upsells? With the upsell selling as well? Yeah. So I think the average cart value was about 75 to $80 most days. Right. Okay. So did you get your two comma club then just from that funnel? Uh, yes. Yeah. So one of the two, I scaled it enough that one of the two comma club is from that funnel. And then the other one is from the coaching program because so many people are like, oh my gosh, how, how'd you create this funnel? How are you running the ads that I turned it into a coaching program? And that was the other all yeah, right okay so you only did the coaching because people asked for it I did not want to no I, like, I was <laughs> again resistance like I had I actually created a an evergreen funnel with a course for like 997 dollars and I had it up and running and I was like I'm going to teach people how to build these tiny offer funnels um 
and just sell it on autopilot. Cause I did not want to run a coaching program. I didn't think I could, I didn't think I was capable. Uh, and I had a friend who stopped me in my tracks and he was like, Allie, this has to be a group coaching program and it can't be nine, nine, seven. It has to be $6,000. And I was like, you're crazy. That's never going to happen. Not possible. And he's like, here's the deal. Your webinar just needs a different pitch at the end. He's like, I'm going to do all the tech. I'm going to build everything for you. All you have to do is show up and teach this live on like go to webinar or whatever we were using and then change the pitch at the end. Here's the stack. Here's what you're going to sell. Now go, go do it. Let's pick a date. And I was like, I don't want to do it. But every, I feel like every time I hit that resistance and I end up doing the thing, it always turns out well, like it always is the next level of expansion that I need. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll try it. You know, it's not going to work, but I'll try it. So I pitched the the 6k program and we did 130k in cash collected sales for that very first launch of this program. And I was like, huh, that was (laughs) kind of fun. Like I like $27 passive income you know, income coming in, but making a $6,000 sale is, is really fun too. So then I realized I could do it. Yeah. So who did you pitch that to that first webinar? Was that your email list? Yeah, it was my email list because I had used a two-step order form. Um, so I had my email list grew from gosh, probably like 400 people to 40,000 people over that time period of just growing and scaling the single offer. It got it got big really fast. So I told people about the webinar um, and then people signed up for the webinar. And then from the webinar, then I pitched the program and then people could either buy or book a call with me to ask questions about the group program. So it was all, I think it was all like Instagram promotion and Facebook and then my email list. All right. Okay. So at this point, did you have a team or was it just you? No, it was pretty much me. Um, I had, I had hired someone probably about three months into selling the tiny offers myself, um, to do email management and customer support. Cause I was dying. Um, and <laughs> I didn't want it. Like I was avoiding my email because people would ask questions or they couldn't log in or, you know, they're just the product questions that people have. And I realized like, okay, if I'm avoiding doing this and it's not the experience that I want people to have, like, I want them to get an answer to their question right away. I need to bring in somebody else to do this for me because I was like drowning. So I hired email management and she ended up being, um, also like more of a personal assistant who helps me get things, gets things scheduled and, and lets, you know, manages my calendar and manages my customer service. So it was like my first and greatest hire. So who was the one that got you to do the webinar? Was it a mentor or was it your coach? No, it was, well, it was my friend, Varick, and he, he just saw it and his specialty was group programs and his specialty was, um, doing live webinars. So he saw it and he was like, can't do it girl. Like you have to actually make a big deal of this. You can't just hide behind the funnel. This could be really big. You need to actually make it big. And I was, I just didn't, you know, it's like the belief. I didn't have any proof that I was capable of doing it. So I didn't think it was possible. So he really pushed me off the ledge and I'm super grateful for him for having the, (laughs) the wherewithal to make me do it. Um, and then he ended up working on my team for a while, helping me scale it and grow a, a sales team and like all of the things that that can come with growing a group program. All right. Okay. So how many, how big's your team now? I have three full-time and three contractors. All right. Okay. So when you went to Funnel Hacking Live, when you realized you first got the first one, was that your first Funnel Hacking Live or had you been before? No, it was my third, actually technically second. So it was two years removed from the one that I had previously 
gone to. So I think I went to one, we'll say it was like 2016 when I first started getting interested in the funnel world. And I just remember like sitting in the crowd and being like, oh my gosh, this is, this world is crazy. Like, look at those people up on the stage and they're making millions of dollars. And I don't know how this is possible. The second year I had invested in coaching and I was like, I believed it was possible, but I was so far in debt that I couldn't even afford a ticket to funnel hacking live. And I couldn't afford the hotel and I couldn't, yeah, I just, I couldn't go because I didn't have the money to go. And then the third year I was walking across the stage, collecting the two comic club award. Right. So it can happen super fast. <laughs> super fast. Yeah. So how many people have you had in your coaching to the tiny mm. offer coaching now? I think about, I want to say like five or 600 through the, the couple years of running it. Okay. And what sort of results are they getting? It the same. Um, it's it totally like the three tracks that I mentioned. Some people are using it to sell only digital products, and they've like built and and grown a digital product empire. And some people are using it to sell a, a nine nine seven course, and some are using it for leads for their highest ticket. So the the results vary, but um, people have been able to do incredible things. Like one woman was able to leave um, a marriage because she was she was only staying in it because she didn't have money, and now she's able to work at home and and grow a beautiful life for her kids and run a business because she's selling. Now she knows how to run ads and knows how to, you know, build offers. So there's like that type of result. And then there are people who have scaled to multiple millions because they, they are liquidating their ad spend and they're able to keep reaching more and more people and make more and more impact. So it's been really cool. I think the coolest thing for me is just that aha moment for a lot of people of when the same one that I had, of like, wait, a stranger just paid me money. I mean, even if it's only $27, it's like, holy buckets. The world is like opens up a whole new viewpoint of I paid for an ad. They bought the product. They don't know me. And now they, they can own it and like go through and learn without ever, never talking to me. You know, it's like a total mindset shift of like, wow, I don't have to work hard to make money. I can create something and then it sells on its own. It, that, that aha for me, like when I can see that light bulb go off for students, it's like their world will, they can't unsee it. Like it'll <laughs> never, they'll never go backwards once they know it's possible. Yeah. So how, so when did you start the Facebook group and how does that work in with everything else? Um, probably not as well as it could admittedly. Like it's, I do a lot with ads and I am fairly hands-off uh, organic marketing wise. Like I do, I do most of my advertising through paid media. So that group, gosh, I want to say that group started in probably 2015. So it's, it's been around, um, for a while, but I put a little bit more focus into it earlier this year when I wasn't sure what Facebook ads were going to do with all the iOS 14 updates. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't putting all of my eggs in one advertising basket. So I was doing more in the group and, and I did see, you know, as I, where your attention goes, your energy flows, right? So when I put more attention onto it, it did start, um, generating a lot of leads, but awesome. then I went back to ads. So ads. what do you think has been your biggest achievement so far? Um, I think getting to this point with having three kids at home, like it's always been really important to me to not hire a nanny and not, you know, be out of touch of how my kids are doing. I pick them up every day, I drop them off at school every day. And so I think getting to this point where I have a 10 year old, a seven year old, or eight year old, 10 year old, eight year old, and five year old, and all three of them are going to be in school starting in the fall for the first time in a, you know, a decade of running my own business. So like getting to the point where 
all, all of the kids are going to be at school and I'm going to be able to work five days a week. It feels, <laughs> feels like an accomplishment that <laughs> I made it this far. So there's that, but I think just all of the challenges of like, when I first started, I was afraid to go on video calls. Like when I was a graphic designer and somebody wanted to interview me on Skype, I was like, sorry, I'm not going to do video. Like I don't, I just didn't do it. So my first hurdle was like getting comfortable on video. And then the hurdle was getting comfortable on a, a live stream and then getting comfortable on a go-to webinar. And it's like the biggest accomplishment isn't just one accomplishment, but like the commitment to always move beyond my comfort zone, I think is the biggest reflection of just like making that decision and, and going for it. And by whatever means it takes to get over that discomfort that I have in getting comfortable being uncomfortable, that's probably the biggest thing. Okay, cool. So do you have a morning routine that you do? I do. Um, by accident, I get up at like, I mean, I don't set an alarm or anything anymore. I got up at three 30 this morning. Um, I usually get up at like three 30 or four or sometimes four oh 35, depending. depending on when so I, don't know why. I just get so excited to like get up and start working. But so I'll, I wake up and I brew coffee and then I, um, journal for a while. I read a book and then I'll work out in the morning. I'm trying to get more into working out in the morning. I'll do some stuff to like keep my house together in the morning, like fold laundry or pick up the kitchen. And then usually at that point we're starting our day, but every morning, like that's the thing that helps me pre-frame the day for success is that journaling and, and reading something. Do you go to bed really, really early? Uh, probably not early enough. <laughs> I mean, usually about like nine 30 or 10. You're if not I, getting if much, I, not getting I much get sleep. about six hours of sleep, no, it's not enough. Um, <laughs> And I feel like in a different season of my life, there will be more sleep, but this is, this is what's working for now. <laughs> so what's your focus for the rest of this year? So I am working on writing a book. Uh, the book is going to be called Decision Maker, because that's something that I like an identity I had to adopt for myself is becoming the decision maker in my business and in my life and just going after things once I decide that's what I want to accomplish. So I'm working on writing a book, um, which is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, so that's, that's been great. I'm working on, um, creating a platform for education for people. Like I really want to make info products a lot more accessible to all of the markets, like make things mass market. So it's going to be a platform that brings in experts who can teach something live on zoom um, and people can sign up kind of like tiny offer prices, like a live workshop, but they can attend and not get a pitch. You know, it's not like you attend a webinar to learn something, knowing there's a pitch coming in. Yeah. It's going to be all just educational workshops on very specific things. So somebody could come in and teach like TikTok ads, or they could teach um, active campaign or, you know, even how to have a better relationship or whatever the topic is, bringing people in to teach live and sell it for tiny offer prices, um, building that platform right now. So cool. That sounds, sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's called course of action and it's not live yet, but I'm, it's like the thing I'm most excited about. Awesome. <laughs> sounds good. Okay. Yeah. I have one last question for you. All right. If you're going to be an animal for 24 hours, what oh would gosh. you be and why? That's such a good question. Um, I think I would be a horse because like, I don't know what it is, but when I watch horses like run, like all out sprint, it makes me cry every time. So I don't know what the weird connection is that I have with horses, but like, I think that that's my spirit animal for sure. Like if you ever watch them run on a beach, like there are TikTok videos of horses just running. 
I don't know why I get magical. Those. It looks magical when yes, yeah. <laughs> awesome. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day today. Yeah, thank you for if having any, me. If anybody wants to find out more about tiny offers, where do they need to go? Um, if you go to alliebierk.com, that's the hub for everything that I talk about and create. And I spend a lot of time, spend most of my social media time on Instagram. So my username is alliebierk over there. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, Polly. Thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please take a moment to leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast software. It really helps us rank the podcast and get more listeners. And if you're over on YouTube, please subscribe and hit the bell. Every Friday, 8am GMT, we release a brand new episode. And until then, have a good one.